don't know about you this morning, but I, <laughs> I had to press through some stuff. Some of it just superficial. Some of it just, just little things <laughs> that the enemy was trying to poke at me with to get me frustrated, to get my eyes, to get my eyes off him. A couple nights ago, I watched a sermon by Stephen Furtick, and basically he was just talking about uh, the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000, he sends the disciples over to, to, to over the, the little lake there to go to Bethsaida, and it's there where a storm comes and Jesus appears to them on the water, all right? And so I started, I started listening to that, and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be good. Let me pause it. Because I love, I love hearing what someone else got, but even more than that, I want, I want firsthand revelation. I, I want what the Holy Spirit wants to say to me. Because if we're not careful, we'll spend so much of our time hearing what God said to somebody else, and we'll say, oh, that was good. And it probably was. But it's when he speaks to you specifically that he writes that thing on your heart. And, and he meets you where you're at. Now, yeah, he can, he can take what somebody else said and do that. But I paused it. I said, no, God, I, I need a word from this. This is going to be good. So this is what I got from it. If you look at the two instances, one's in Matthew, the other's in Mark. In one, you read Jesus gets out of the boat. Uh, there's a storm and he sees Jesus and he says command me to come to you and Jesus says come and we know that Peter gets out he walks in the water a little bit he looks at the waves and the wind and he sinks but then it says and when they got back in the boat the winds and the water ceased but in the other pair in the other story that's completely omitted it never even mentions Peter getting out of the boat but it does say this it says that when Jesus got in the boat, the, the waves ceased, but Jesus was trying to teach them a lesson. It says that they had not learned the lesson of feeding the 5,000. That's what it says in Matthew. And this is what the Lord was speaking to me. All right, I want to tie this together, and I believe it's a word for us this morning. We know living in life that there's going to be persecution, there's going to be tests, there's going to be trials, there's going to be wind, there's going to be waves, there's going to be all these things. But at the end of the day, he wants us to know him as provision, as source. Okay, let me take a quick little pause right quick. It should have been called the disciples feed the 5,000, not Jesus feeds the 5,000. Because Jesus looked to them and said, feed them. And they said, uh, how? If we worked all year, we wouldn't have enough money to feed all these people. But Jesus was able to take that little boy's lunch, dinner, whatever it was, that the disciples were supposed to be able to take. Because why? Because Jesus was with them. They were supposed to learn that, look, because Jesus is with me, I can feed the 5,000. Because he's with me, if he tells me to go to the other side, 
to Bethsaida, even though there's a storm, I'm going to the other side. We're going. So I really felt like the Lord was just saying, look, I am your provision. I am your source. All right. There's wind and there's waves. And here's the really, there's a little tiny verse in there that, that if, you, if you're not careful, it'll, it'll, it'll uh, step you by, literally. And it says that Jesus was walking on the water during the storm and he intended to pass them by. He intended to pass them by. And I said, oh, that's good. What does that mean? It means this. One, he didn't pass them by, but he intended to. Not because he wanted to leave them, but because he wanted them to say, Lord. He wanted them to cry out to him. He wanted them to say, look, I see where you're at. You're out there. You're walking on the wind, the waves. They don't, they don't bother you. You're able to just, you're able to walk in the midst of a storm. But Jesus is saying, look, I want you to be with me where you are. I mean, I want you to be with me where I am. But if that's not our heart, he, he can pass us by. He, he, we're already going to the other side. I'm going, but I want you to be with me. So I said, Lord, I, I want to walk on the water with you. <laughs> I want to walk on the water with you. I want to be with you where you are. And when we say that, we have to realize that there's going to be storms. <laughs> there's going to be waves. But what I found is that I was so busy looking at everything but him. Everything but him. Well, I don't have this, or I don't have that, or I'm 32 and I'm here, or I'm this and I'm that. And God's like, just stop. <laughs> Why are you looking at all that stuff? Looking at it isn't going to change any of it. It's not going to fix any of it. And we do that so often in our life. We look at everything that has no power to change the very thing that God wants to change. He's the one. He's the source. And if he's with us, then we can do all those things through Christ that strengthens us. We can speak to the waves and we can say, be still. <laughs> you know, another totally different story is where the winds and the waves literally come at them to the point where they think that they're going to die. And Jesus is sleeping. And out of sleep, he wakes up and calms the wind and the waves. But he just doesn't want us to look at him and say, oh, well, Jesus can do it. Yes, he can. He can, and he did. But the greater thing is that Christ in us is the hope of glory. Him with me, him in me, is the one that allows me to speak to the wind, to speak to the waves, to speak to my situation, to speak to whatever it is, and say, peace, be still to call those things which aren't as though they were, to feed the thousands, to be the very provision that we don't think that we can be. Because if we look at ourselves in the natural, we say, I don't have it, I can't do it. He says, you're right. I can and I will through you if you'll let me. But I can pass you by. There's others, somebody else will do it. But I want you to call out to me so that you can walk with me in the miraculous, so that you can do those things that are impossible in your own strength. So, Father, we, we just, we still our hearts 
our souls, our very bodies this morning. And we say that you, you are our source, God. And sometimes it takes literally being in famine to realize, look, you're the one who can multiply fish and loaves, but you want to do it through us. That even when we're looking for provision ourselves, you want to be provision for those around us through us. So we just position ourselves, our hearts, before you this morning. No wind, no waves. We don't even look at them. <laughs> we just look to you. We just look to you, the author, the finisher of our face, Jesus. We look to you. We thank you. <laughs> we thank you that just because there's nothing too hard for you, there's nothing too hard for us in you and with you. Father, I just declare that every need is met. And what that means is that we have more than enough. <laughs> more than enough. That we might be a blessing to those around us, not just spiritually, but in the natural, physically, meeting a, a tangible need. That's what you've called us to do here, Father. To be an expression of who you are in us and through us. But it requires us to stop looking at everything else. It requires us to still our heart and say, I'm looking at you. <laughs> though, my, though, though, though I'm thirsty, though this is a dry and weary land, I am, you are my source. You are the one who quenches my thirst. <laughs> because without you, I'll faint. I'll grow weary in well-doing. But you, you are our source. You renew us. You renew us. food we have to give them. But if we're not full, they starve. They starve. Father, you're our bread. You're our fountain that never runs dry. It's like so often we're, we're waiting on something and God, he's saying, I'm waiting on you. 
and he intends to pass us by so we might call out to him and say, Father, Jesus, I want to be with you. That nothing else matters. You know, if we're going to go forward, it can't be like the past. If we're going to, to actually advance, it can't be in the old. It has to be new. It has to be fresh. There has to be life. to give it we're not experiencing and I didn't intend to say any of this this morning maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking over <laughs> what I should be saying this is supposed to be transition It's like God saying, are you ready? <laughs> Has it been long enough? Is, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? If not for yourself, then for those around you. For the ones you work with. For the ones you go to school with. The ones you see every day is it says that all of creation it groans with expectation for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. You know, when we look around. It's as though we see so much uh, shift in the body. We, we see a lot of shifting in the world. But I, I'm going to end with this. When God is shaking it, <laughs> it's going to get shaken. <laughs> like this. You, can, you can try all you want, but if he is shaking it, and he is then it is going to be shaken. And he bears with us in love up until a point. And when he says, look, this way, there, it was good, it was all right. Maybe it worked a little bit, but it didn't work how I wanted it to. He gets to a point and he says, it's done. I'm, I'm done with that. This is what I'm calling for. This is what I'm wanting to do. And that's where we're at. That's where we're at. But again, I, I want you to get this. He intended to pass them by. And I believe that there's an element of that that he wants us to grasp today because he wants us to grasp him. 
that we position in our heart. We say, Lord, don't pass us by. We, we grab hold to you. We speak out to you and say, Lord, command me to come to you because I want to be with you where you are. In Jesus' name. Will you come forward, Brother Kevin? Let's pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you that everything is yours. <laughs> you own it all. And like we've said time and time again today, this morning, you're our source, you're our provision, you are our provider. And we declare that in you, we are the provision to those around us. We are the provision to, to the world you've called us to, starting here in Tifton. And we thank you that, that, that you never called us just to get by. Your desire for your glory is that as sons and daughters of the King, we have to be able to give into every good work. And we just declare that right now. We thank you for it. We bless everyone here. Whether they give or not, you love them. In Jesus' name. Come forward, please.
Thank you, Lord. Close your eyes just for a moment. We're going to do something that we don't normally do. I want you to remember what you used to be. I want you to picture what you used to do. Just for a moment, I want you to remember the old man, the old woman. Remember the mess that you got yourself into. Remember the stuff that your family, the enemy did to you. Remember what your colleagues did to you. Remember what your daddy did to you, your mama did to you. Just for a moment, remember all that. And now look at it through the redemptive eyes of Jesus. Amazing grace. Now sing it again. How sweet the sound that saved. Oh, that saved a wretch like me. Oh, I once was lost, but now I've been found. Hallelujah. Was blind, but now. that we was lost but now we've been found we was blind but now we see we were sick but now we're healed we were captivated and now we've been delivered we were in bondage and now we're free and liberty is within us it is who we are it is the essence and nature of everything about us is your liberty where the spirit of the Lord is and he is in us he lives within us and dwells within us then liberty is ours. You can be in prison and still be in liberty. Man can shackle things upon you, but you can still be in liberty. Freedom is in him. It's not in our circumstances. It's not in what we see. It's not in how we feel. It is in him. Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you so much for the privilege and the honor to come together and forsake not the assembling of ourselves to come together for this corporate anointing. For some things only come out of the corporate anointing. Some things you want to deposit only come out in situations like this because you thrive on pointing us to the fact that we need each other. There are no lone rangers in the body, but only family. For every joint supplies, every person contributes. We need every gift to function and flow to the highest level of capacity that we need to, to do what you've called us to do in these last days. We need each other. So we release our faith together for this morning, 
for you to speak, for you to reveal, for you to open our hearts and our minds to see what we need to see in this place. This morning, we release our faith corporately together in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you greet someone around you? Say, we need you. I need you. I need you. you to turn to Matthew chapter 14 and while you're greeting someone why don't you grab your Bible or your phone you got it with you hold it up stand up to your feet one more time there's a passage in the Old Testament there's a section of scripture in the Old Testament where the book of the law the law had been lost the books of the Old Testament had been lost and when they had found them and they recovered them they all stood it says that everyone man woman and child stood all day long for the reading of the Word of God And I just thought that it would be good for us to just stand up while we read. Matthew chapter 14. Let me confirm to you what God's already been orchestrating. Having not known what we were going to speak on. Matthew chapter 14. This This is prior to the same day when Jesus walked out there on the water for the disciples. And I'm going to set the stage, and then, we're, then, we're, then I'll read it. In Matthew chapter 14, King Herod had grabbed a hold of John the Baptist and had imprisoned him because it says that he had told King Herod that sleeping with his brother's wife was wrong. And he did that in private. But King Herod publicly arrested him and put him in prison. You ever feel like that? You, you do something in private to someone because you're trying to protect them and you're trying to guard them. And then the next thing is that you find it on Facebook or Instagram. Or you hear somebody talk about something that there's no way in the world they should know that, but they know that because you know the only way they know that is because there was only two people in the room at that time, you and somebody else, and you didn't say nothing, but somebody else did. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Am I preaching to somebody? So it says that, but he wouldn't kill him because they said that he was a great man. He was, some believed he was a prophet. There was such admiration in the community for him that he, he dared not execute him. But during his brother's sister's, his brother's wife's birthday, or his birthday, I should say, his, the woman that he had took from his brother, her daughter, began to dance before them. And it pleased them, it said. And he said this, he said, tell me what you want, and by an oath, I swear, I will give it to you. And she'd had her mama talking in her ear. And she said, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And because he'd swore an oath, he executed John the Baptist. And this is where we're going to pick up. And it says... 
in verse 12, Then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. You know the rest of the story. Cornell talked about it. Verse 22, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there, but the boat was not in the but then but but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walked on the sea, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. Father, in the name of Jesus, I yield myself, my tongue, my words, my spirit, my mind to the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to release and articulate what it is that you've laid on my heart for this morning. Father, we release our faith that we will receive everything you want to say to us, that we'll understand everything you want to reveal to us, and that we will capture everything that is needful for us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. You may be seated. So I'm reading this earlier this week. Not intending to preach it this week, not intending to share the word because we had uh, a guest speaker scheduled to come this weekend. And because, you know, life happens. Am I the only one that life happens to? Life happens. And because life happens, well, luckily I had already begun to prepare and I wasn't going to share this till next week, but I felt like I needed to share it now. So I want you to notice something that. Sometimes we lose and we miss out and we don't capture the authentic um, human nature that Jesus had. We forget sometimes that he was in all points afflicted and tempted like we are. That's why he moves with compassion for us, the Bible says. That's why he has compassion for us because he was tempted and tested in all ways like we've been tested. There's nothing that you've gone through. There's nothing that you are going through. And there's nothing that you're going to go through that Jesus himself has not been tested. That's why he sympathizes with us because he knows. He knows where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly where you're at. Jesus knew exactly where they were at. He knew exactly where they were at. Why? Because he has compassion. I mean, my God, his cousin was just beheaded. This was John the Baptist. The ones that the Pharisees came and said, what are you doing? Tell us who you are. He said, I'm the one that cries in the wilderness. He said, I'm the one the prophets were talking about. But the one that's coming after me, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes, much less tie them. I'm not worthy. Will you baptize him? There's a read. You know why they call him John the Baptist? Because he baptized everybody. Everybody. If you wanted to get baptized, John was the man. 
there was an anointing on his life, and he baptized Jesus. This was his cousin. This was the man who was in the belly of Elizabeth. And when Mary walked through the room and she said, Hello, the baby, John, inside his, in my, inside his mother's womb, leapt because he recognized that there was something inside of Mary that was sanctified, that was holy, and that his destiny was tied to. I didn't intend to say this, but you better find people that make you leap on the inside. Don't stop hanging around people that drag and suck the life out of you. You better find people that make you want to run through. What is it, that old song we used to sing in children's church? Run through a wall, leap over a fence. What was it? Am I the only exer in here? Run through a troop and leap over a wall. You better find people like that. You're about to find people that awaken something on the inside of you. You're like, what in the world was that? This was him. This was his cousin. This was his friend. This was the four. He had more respect. Jesus said he was the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets. Listen, that's, that's recognition. That's on. He was the greatest. Greater than Elijah, greater than Isaiah, greater than, uh, greater than Nehemiah, greater than all of them. He was the greatest, and this man just got beheaded. And Jesus, it said, listen, Jesus went away. But he still had compassion for the people. And after he ministered to them, after he healed them, he sent his disciples away. He sent the people away. Why? Because there's some things that you're just not going to get from people. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can't get everything from you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I can get some things from you. Now look up and say, there's only things that I can get from you. That's okay. Listen to me. It's all right. You called, you text, and they didn't answer. It's okay. Some things you're just not going to get from your wife. Some things you're just not going to get from your husband. Some things you're not going to get from your children. You can only get what is needful from Jesus. And Jesus knew this. So Jesus goes away. He gets by himself. When's the last time you got by yourself? I don't mean watching TV. I don't mean on your phone. I don't mean, I'm talking about where it's just, I mean, has, am I the only one in here who's all hell seems to break loose in your life? I'm not talking about you're late on a bill. I'm not talking about you don't feel good, your tummy's upset, you got it coming out of both ends. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the stuff that breaks people, divorce and death. Foreclosure, bankruptcy. Seems like when you're down, it seems like there's an anointing on people to kick you while you're down. Mm. Jesus had just got done. He just, they came and they said, John's dead. Could you imagine? Maybe perhaps because Jesus was tempted and tested in all points like we are, maybe he was somehow moved beyond the realm of the natural 
and he was moving into a place that he knew he need not be going because he is like us, not that I'm attributing what we go through to him, but he was like us. And so we take a moment to reflect, if Jesus got away, then maybe she, we should get away. I heard someone, a message the other day about this subject, and he said, I'm not trying to attribute my weaknesses to Jesus, but Jesus was tested and tempted in all points like we are. You can't just read this and read it like it was Jesus. you got to read it like it's us. So what did he do? He just got, he got away. He got away. What if uh, Charlie Brown said this to Linus one time? He said, life is too much for me. He said, I've been confused since I was born. I think the trouble is we're thrown into life too soon. And Linus said, well, what do you want to do about it? He said, he said, what do you want? He said, I'd like a chance to warm up. I mean, life just seems to just happen, doesn't it? Charlie Brown, I, I sympathize with Charlie Brown because I'm like, man, I mean, if I could warm up, I could get a running start. You know what I'm saying? If I knew that pitch was it, I mean, it's like somebody throws you on the batter box and go, okay, you ready? And you're like, what? And pitches start flying. You don't know what you're doing sometimes. Life has a way of doing that. I saw the other day, I was watching the, uh, the Braves play. Now, we were eating, and I was watching it at Buffalo Wild Wings. Man, their wings are anointed. I'm getting y'all ready for, for lunch. Their wings are sanctified. Hallelujah. And I'm sitting there, I'm watching this game, and now they got these helmets where they, you know, the helmets go all the way around. So that's, why didn't y'all come up with that like 20 years ago? People getting hit in the face. And so this guy's standing up there at the box, and the pitcher threw the ball, and it was on the outside corner, but it was a strike, and the guy gets mad and walks away. I'm like, why are you mad? You are professional. They say that professional baseball players, high schoolers can see the ball, but professionals can see the stitching on the ball. I mean, that's, that's focus. And sometimes we're just thrown into life, and crap happens, and you're like, what? Oh, what do I, okay, well, let me go get on the computer. Let me go listen. Let me go watch a movie. Let me, you try to drown out everything instead of bringing everything you need to the one who can solve it and fix it. So there's three things that I want to point out in this, in this passage that Jesus did. The first thing that I see is that Jesus understood the power of the re-encounter. Who, who was it? Cornell said encounter, encounter God. When you encounter God, I mean, it's just like, the, you remember the first time you encountered God or encountered the Holy Spirit. It's like everything fell off of you. It was like, oh, my God, what is this? Jesus understood the power of the re-encounter. And I don't say maybe you've never encountered Jesus or maybe you've encountered Jesus but how many of you know you don't just encounter somebody one time and that's it? No, if you're going to have a relationship, because this can't be a recipe. I'm not giving you a recipe this morning. I'm giving you something about relationship, pointing to the relationship. You can't just encounter Jesus on Sundays and that's it. It's not going to work. I'm not condemning you from that. I'm not judging you from that. I'm trying to set you free. There's a whole nother level. There's a whole nother place that God wants to take us. And it's in the re-encounter. Say that with me, re-encounter. 
When's the last time you re-encountered Jesus? When's the last time you got alone and just worshipped? When's the last time you got on your knees not asking God for something? Just coming to God and say, look, I'm jacked up. Been up, broke, busted, and disgusted. I need some Jesus. I saw this shirt the other day that said, don't test the Jesus in me. When's the last time we did that? Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said this. You don't have to turn there, 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn. They said, learn from me. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You can't, you can't take, you can't learn, and you can't do any of that until you come. He said, come. This Matthew 11, this is Matthew chapter 14. Jesus is practicing what he's preaching. Listen to me. You can't give God something that's not on you. I'm going to say that over on this side. He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Is there anybody in here that is weary and heavy laden? You can't give something you don't have attached to you. Weary. Tired. I will raise my hand. I'll raise my hand. You tired? You weary? I've had the most incredible last seven days, it seems like, and yet it seems like it's still been the wind and the waves. How come Jesus slept in the boat? Because he operated from a place that only comes when you stay in the encounter with God. I think part of the reason why Jesus was upset when they came to him and said, don't you care? Is because he's like, look, I've been with you fools for how long? Y'all ought to be down here sleeping too. But instead, you worried about everything else that's going on instead of what I said, let's go to the other side. Martha, Martha, don't you care? What you doing, Mary? I'm over here trying to fit Jesus's in our house, and the man's got to be hungry, and I'm cooking, and you sitting there taking notes. And Jesus goes, Martha, Martha, you are concerned and worried about many things. But what did he say was the needful thing? He said only one thing is needful. What is that one thing? Oh, you got to go to church, and you got to praise and worship. No. Well, you got to give your tithe. You got to sow to the kingdom. Because if we don't do that, no. You got to make sure you stand up and you confess who you are and speak to your mountain and say, Come out. And Jesus, you don't remember. I remember growing up, my mama would walk through the house with oil and she would anoint that mess. Do you know what I'm talking about? She would open the door and she would say, Get out. Am I the only one? My brother was laid up on the floor one time. We were praying, and this lady was calling demons out of his toes. We laugh. I've laughed. Well, we don't do that no more. Our demons, the demons here now, they're so refined and sophisticated. We just put up with all kind of explicitive, explicitive, explicitive. But when I was, man, my mom, I told my mama the other day, I took her for lunch for Mother's Day, and I said, don't you ever forget 
I don't care how busy we get. I don't care how life. Don't you ever forget that the only reason I'm where I'm at is because of you. Because you prayed over me and you, you spent time in the, I mean, praying. Not, mm, Lord, in Jesus. No, I mean, she'd be sweating in her closet. Oh, Lord, so cold up. You turn loose of him in Jesus' name. We don't. People say, you get so excited. You my God, you got to do, you got to get excited. This thing is real. You can't play with devils. This is real life. It sucks to be where you're at with your daddy. Don't it? That's real life. He doesn't need something that's play game. He needs something that's real. They done turned his daddy over to hospice. And his daddy is the cool. He, he, if he's in pain, you would never know it. He's the most, he's just, it's like he's taking this transitional path from this place to the next place. But it's still hard because he don't want his daddy to go. That's a hard place. He don't need three points and a biscuit. He needs something that he can gravitate to. The minute he gets in his truck, Bubba, Bobby, and everybody else is going to start calling, and you better have something to grab a hold on to. Listen to me. You better get to Jesus and to that. You can't just you can't live off of yesterday. You got to live off today. You got to live off today. The powers in the, listen. The authority, the authority comes in the commission. Jesus said, I came to seek and save that which were lost. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more. But I came to destroy the works of the devil. The authority came to Jesus from the commission that God did. But the power comes in the encounter. John the Baptist Baptize Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes. They make it out like it was just a little dove. No, he says it came like a dove. It means that the heavens open up. And this voice from heaven said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Now what's interesting is that any time that conflict comes into our life, I stole this, by the way. Anytime conflicts comes to our life, it's because of two reasons. You ready? I'm sorry, not conflict. Anytime a word from the Lord comes to us, two things are going to happen. Number one, conflict. Write it down. Put it on your phone. The first thing that's going to happen is conflict. You get a prophecy. Oh, you, you retired. You officially retired, aren't you? You done. You retired, and the next season in your life is going to be greater than the former. You get that prophecy, you're going to go home, and you're going to see, and that, that word is going to be tested because conflict always comes after a word from the Lord. You got a word from the Lord you're supposed to preach. You got a word from the Lord you're supposed to sing. You got a word from the Lord you're supposed to be delivered. You got a word from the Lord that you won't have to worry about your wife. You won't have to worry about your husband. You won't have to worry about your children. You got a word from the Lord. I guarantee you that when you get home the next day, two days after that, that word is going to be tested. Am I, are y'all following me? Why? Because the conflict always comes 
because of the word. Jesus said that in Matthew chapter, chapter 16. He said persecution and tribulation for the word's sake. Why? Because the enemy, listen to me, look at me, the enemy hates you. People come, I love it when people say, well, you know, pastor, the devil, he don't like you. And he's trying to kill you, and he's trying to disrupt your ministry, and he's after your family. You know what? He's after you. He don't like you. He don't like you. He can't stand you, grandmother. He can't stand you. He hates us. Why? Because every time he looks at us, all he sees is Jesus. Because we have what he doesn't have, what he will never have, and what he wants most in this world is to be like God. That's what he said. I will exalt my throne and I will be like And God smacked him down. And a third of the angels... And then the next thing you know, the next chapter, he looks at us, and Jesus goes, thank you, Father. You know the enemy was perturbed when Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you love them just as much as you love me. You know that infuriated the enemy. Conflict, why? Because the strength is in the word. And the word's going to be tested. But listen, the word's not tested because the word needs to be tested. It's tested because he's trying to see if you're going to turn loose of the word or if you're going to stand in that word and see the redemptive nature of Jesus in that word. You got a word and you know it's God's word and you know he spoke it to you and it's been confirmed. Write it down. Put it in your Bible. Put it in your phone. Put it in your car. Put it in your house. Put it amongst your friends. Put it among the people that make you leap and say, don't ever let me turn loose of this because God told me this and I know it's true. There came a point when I was single, I had to detract myself from everyone that was around me because the more I got around them, the more they sucked the life out of me. You still single? Yeah, have you seen what's out there? My daddy, my own daddy goes, y'all, have I told y'all this story before? I ain't told you that. My daddy, my daddy, y'all know my daddy. Come back, move back. And I never dated. Why? Because save the drama for your mama. I can't handle all that drama. I got a house full of women, and I don't have nowhere near the drama that I had. When people, when I see people dating, and you got drama, man, you better run. My daddy looked at me one day. He was like, boy. I was like, what is it, daddy? He was like, you all right? And I go, yeah, I mean. Do I look sick or something? He was like, no, I'm just, are you all right? My dad's great at communication. And I said, Daddy, what do you mean? He was like, are you all right? And I go, Daddy, just because I'm not tipping and dipping and moving and swaying and doing all that all in the hours of the night, you think something's wrong with me? There comes a point where you got to you know that you know that you know, and you just you have to just separate. Listen, there's some I love you, and you love me, but there's some things that I can't give you. There's some things I can't do for you. Only nobody can do me like Jesus. 
And Jesus knew this. It's in the re-encounter. You're going to need that encounter because conflict is coming. Conflict is coming. If, if you don't expect vindication when the enemy comes against you, then you really don't know who you are. There's something inside of me when I see the enemy getting away with something in my life or in the lives of those around me. There's something in me that goes, no. If that something in you is not no, then you really don't know who you are. Because he said, I came to destroy the works of the enemy. I came to seek and save that which was lost. I came to give you life. Anything that is contrary to those three needs vindication. God vindicated us through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You don't think that he wants vindication for your life, your situation, and your circumstances? That's why he said he has to return sevenfold, sevenfold everything that he stole from you. Because God's in the redemptive vindicating business. I don't mean vindicating like you hurt my feelings and now I'm going to hurt you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sanctified vindication. I don't even know if that's even a word. Sanctified vindication. What do I mean? You don't wrestle. Listen to me. Let me tell you something I've had to come to grips with in the last 30 days. As much as you think you are, you're not wrestling with flesh and blood. I know it seems like that. I know it does especially when somebody looks at you and says something to you and it hurts. You know what I'm saying? I heard T.D. Jake say yesterday we was listening to something, and I said, yes, amen. He said, you know, he said, I always admire the guy in movies that they're like the good guy, but they do whatever it takes to be, you know what I'm saying? Like they don't hesitate, they don't flinch, they don't do nothing. Like, they have no remorse. Like, the government hires these guys to come in and kill the guys that nobody wants to kill. They call, you know what I'm saying? You see those movies, you go, man, I, I'm, in, your mind, in my mind, I'm like that. In my mind, I'm like, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You know, that's the cool guy, you know. Walk right up to somebody and go, you say something? Yeah. Now, you look at me sanctified all you want to, but you know in your flesh. <laughs> it's like Denzel Washington in Equalizer 2 that's coming out, you know. He says, I'm going to kill you. He said, the only thing I feel bad about is that I only get to do it once. I'm like, yes, glory to God. But the heart that's been tempered, that's been proven, that's been washed and flowed with Jesus goes, no. That's why Jesus looked at him in his pain and his anger and in his, in his hurt. And he looked at him and said, Father, forgive them. I've had to come to that place where as much as it hurts and I look at them, even in my mind's eye right now, and I go, Father, forgive them. They don't forgive me. See, we want, we want forgiveness, but think about the people that you've hurt. Think about the people you've hurt. We all need more of the encounter with God than we actually think. We all do. And if you think for one second that the world, this, the, I'm telling you specifically, and I, I, I'll say it prophetically. Can, can, I, can I go out there and just say that? Can, can I say this prophetically? 
in the southern regions of the United States, there's a shift going on. There's a shaking. What do I mean? I mean, I, I, don't, I just went north to North Carolina. There's a different something going on up there, at least what I perceive. But I'm telling you, in South Georgia, North Florida, and the surrounding people that I know, there is a great shift, a shaking going on in the church. There is. And the Bible says this. It says that the earth groans. Romans chapter 8. I want to I take you there, and then I'm going to try to land this plane. Romans chapter 8. Turn there. I want you to see this with your own eyes. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. One translation says this. It says, for the creation waits eagerly, eager, the, the, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Now keep reading. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also would be delivered from bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. You're going to tell me that all these earthquakes are a coincidence and all these volcanoes erupting? The very earth is groaning. Watch this. For you. He's groaning for you. The trees and the ground are groaning for you. For you to be revealed. Jesus knew this more than anybody. So Jesus goes away for the encounter. And what happens? Conflict. Don't let conflict deter you from what God's called you to do. The kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent taketh by force. Come on. If you don't understand that conflict is going to come as a result of the word, then when conflict comes, you're going to think you did something wrong. The second thing that happens when you get a word from the Lord is choice. If there's no choice, then there's no basis for reward. <laughs> I heard him say, well, you know, I'm... I don't do this for the reward. I do this because I love God and love the kingdom. Yeah, whatever. John 3.16. What's it say? That he gave. That what? Whoa, hold on. Should not what? What do you got to do to not perish? There's a choice. He set two trees in the garden. Why did he set two? And why did he tell the man, of any of the trees you can partake of, but the tree of the... He already had a tree of life. See, when I was growing up, it wasn't taught that. It was taught it was one tree. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. No, there was also a tree of life. He said of any of the trees, including the one glowing in the garden with life coming out of it, you could partake. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you can't touch. And which one did the enemy come to test? What does the enemy come to test? Listen to me. What does he come to tempt you with? Did God really say? 
What was the first temptation that Jesus encountered from Satan? It wasn't turn the bread, turn the stone into bread. He had done nothing to do with that. What did he say to Jesus? Big two-letter word. If, what? You be the Son of God. What did God say when he, what was the first thing God said in public to everyone about Jesus? This is my Son. And the first thing the enemy comes to attack Jesus with is what? If, well, if you be a prophet, if you be a pastor, preacher, apostolic, evangelistic, whatever leader, if, then, no. If Jesus was tested, then you're going to be tested. And there's always a choice because without a choice, there can be no real love. There's a choice. There's a choice you and I have today. Are we going to listen and pay? Listen to me. I have blocked it all out. Look at me. Read my lips. I have blocked it all out. I'm not saying that I'm not compassionate, that I don't have. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is I'm up in the mountain, and I'm saying, God, you are my father. And I'm just going to spend time right here, right now, because it seems like at times all hell has broken loose. And I know the only way to get through it, the only way to get to the next level is through the encounter, the real re-encounter with God. I don't know what it is that's going on in your life. I don't know. Maybe you're not at a situation like I am. Maybe you're not looking at things maybe the way I am. But I find it hard to believe that not that every one of you in here doesn't have something that's pressing on them pretty hard. Something. I don't know what it is. Uh, can I just one take one step further? I don't really care. Because you know what? I can't fix it. I can't. I can't fix it. But I know someone who can. I know someone who can heal your broken heart. I mean, my God, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for what? To preach the gospel to the poor, to set them at liberty that were captive, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to, to, to bring you into that life that we forsake in the Garden of Eden. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. The Bible says, He that findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtains favor. I sure enough didn't get married just to get married. Not, not anybody laughed at that one, but y'all. I want to say it again. I didn't get married just because they thought it was a good idea. No, I got married because he said, he that findeth the wife findeth the good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. I want some good thing and I want some favor. <laughs> now you say, well, I got married because I love her. I know you love her, but you love her for a reason. I would give my life for her. But I have found my good thing. I have obtained favor from the Lord. I'm, not, I'm, not even, I'm just going to leave it right there. I'm not even... <laughs> Do 
The Bible says children are a heritage of the servants of the Lord, and a man is blessed whose quiver is full of them. I didn't have children because I thought it was a good idea. And that word, that word has been tested. It's been in conflict. The Bible says that it's better for you to be alone. Can I get a witness? There's so much drama and stuff you wouldn't have to deal with if you were by yourself. I'm not saying that's the will of the Lord. We know that's not the will of the Lord for everybody. But what is that? And that word has been tested, has it not? Has that word been tested with Cornell? I mean, he's, he, he's too young to say he's not going to get married ever. He doesn't really, you know what I'm saying. You, listen, you let her walk up in here. <laughs> My friend Thaddeus, he's 58. Never been married, never been with a woman, never even dated. He's been tested. He's got the gift. I didn't have that gift. And neither did y'all. Real quick, and then I'm going to close. You got me? Encounter. The re-encounter. Listen to me. The re-encounter. Remember two things. Conflict and choice. Don't choose the latter, choose the former, choose life, choose him. Lord, I'm going to get in, in your presence. I'm going to just submerge myself with you because I know that every time a word comes, it's going to be tested. There's going to be conflict. Let me give you four, real quick, let me give you four indications that you need a re-encounter with God. See, this re-encounter causes us to recalibrate. You know what that word means? To recalibrate means to adjust things on the inside. We're not talking about outside. Listen, if you got a bad mouth, if you got bad thoughts, if you got a temper, if you got all this stuff, you don't need to be worried about that. You just need to get alone with Jesus first. Stop trying to correct your behavior. Number one, you ready? Four indications. Number one, are you flexible? Are you flexible? The other day, we was uh, we have my dad, me, my brother, my mom, all us. We have a business and we spray ponds. And the other day, I got out of the truck. I, I stepped on my tire, got up in the back of my truck, stepped back on the tire, and then I just jumped off and I landed on the ground. And my daddy goes, "Son, if I'd have done that, your mom would have to take care of me for a week." Listen to me. Are you flexible? Are you flexible? Come on. Are you flexible? Anybody in here that's married, you better be flexible. You can't be rigid. Are you flexible? Are you willing? Are you unwilling to look at what you've been doing? Not that you need to change it, but are you even so, you so stuck in your ways, you don't even want to look and see if you've been doing something wrong. Uh, let me give you a word from the Lord. You need a re-encounter. I'm going to leave that one alone. There's always a price to pay for getting to the next level. It's not just enough to know what you need to do. It's enough. you got to also know what you need to let go of and what you need to quit doing. Are you flexible? Turn to your neighbor. Say, you flexible? My dad, I'm a, I mean, no, I've been hounding on my dad, but he ain't here, so it don't matter. 
I think he was the last one this side of the Mason-Dixon line to have an analog phone in his truck. You millennials, y'all don't know nothing about that, but they had these phones that would work underwater in the Antarctic. You could call somebody. That's how powerful they were. This digital mess, it ain't powerful. The only reason you got services is because they got 10 times as many towers as they had when they had analog. But analog would work anywhere. I mean, we would be on the other side of Lost and this side of nowhere, and that darn phone would work. My dad was the last one. I'm talking about, you know what I'm saying? That big old thing that was in the truck, and it's got the cord, and all the kids are like, cords? What is that? And my dad had to change. My dad doesn't just like change. He's allergic to it. And guess what he got? Got a little iPhone. Man, he was saying all kind of stuff. But now, he's on Facebook. Like, he Facebooks more than I do. He'll send me stuff. Hey, you got to watch this video. He loves it. Why? Because he had to be flexible. If you're looking at me and you're saying, if you say this in your mind, and then I'm going to move to the second one. If you look at me and say, oh, I don't need to change. I'm good. You need a re-encounter with Jesus. You do. Number two, you ready? Are you in rest and at peace? Listen, I got stuff going on that you, I mean, I'm just listen to, trust me. I got stuff going on. This You got stuff going on. But I'm at rest and I'm at peace. And when that thing starts trying to get on me, I say, you better back, open the door and say, get out in the name of Jesus. Are you at rest? Are you in peace and at rest? Galatians, and let us not grow weary in well-doing. 1 Peter 5, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. You can't cast something you don't have. Are you at peace and in rest? I'm sorry, in rest, at peace. Number three, are the words that you're speaking, are they life or are they death? If everything that comes out of your mouth is negative, you need to go up to the mountain with Jesus. Well, you just don't know what I got going on. You, your brother ain't been beheaded and had the platter brought. You, you, you need to go up to the mountain with Jesus. Well, I just, it's just been, I mean, it's been, listen, I'll go round and round with you. Well, you just don't know how I grow up. You don't know about my daddy. Listen, if she was here this morning, you ain't been through what she's been through. I doubt it. Very seriously. Now, you could be, maybe one to two percent of it. But the majority of it didn't experience what she experienced with school. Are your words of life? Life doesn't come because of what's happened to you. It's come because of what's happened in you. Life comes out of you. It has nothing to do with what's going on. Life comes without, comes from within. And if you ain't been with Jesus, then every time something, if you're frustrated, angry, bitter, explicitive, 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 you need to get along with Jesus. If everything aggravates you, I mean, if the stuff that doesn't aggravate you didn't used to aggravate you, it aggravates you now, you got to get with Jesus. You can't, you can't help people like that. Last but not least, number four, do you spend most of your time looking at what's missing 
or what's available. You spend most of your time, man, I like this, I like this, that. But Cornell said it. He didn't even know what I was going to preach on today. You, I don't have this. I'm missing this. I don't have this. What do you have available? He looked at the disciples and said, you feed them. God doesn't demand something out of you that he doesn't deposit in you. You're not going through this for the sake of going through something. It's in you everything that you need to overcome what you're going through. But you're never going to get to that place if you don't understand the re-encounter. When you focus on everything that could possibly be missing, then you miss everything that is possible. Development and improvement, not what's missing. I'm trying to create an environment in my house, in this place, everywhere that I go. Stop telling me what I'm doing wrong. Let's look at what we can do better. It accomplishes the same thing. It just doesn't bring the law and condemnation with it. How can, listen, how can we do this better? I sit down with Cornell and Laura and Haley and all of them, and I say, how can we do it better? It's been good. It's great. But how can we do it better? Because he's called us to go from glory to glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. And I, you are not where you're supposed to be right now. Why? Because you're not going to the next glory and to the next glory and to the next glory. You're not where you're supposed to be. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not where you're supposed to be. Listen, it's never, it's never, it's very, no, it's never. I started to say rarely, it's never as bad as you think it is. And it's always better than it looks like. Well, you just don't understand. I mean, I could die. And then what? You leave this place. And you depart, and like Paul said, it is there's something in me that says that I need to go to, to my place, to be absent from the body. It's never as bad as you think it is, and it's always better than what it looks like. Stop looking at what's missing. It don't matter what's missing. All he needs is what you got. That's it. That's all he needs. That little boy, see, that little boy, all he had was his lunch. And they said, we don't have nothing. And you can tell, you know it was one of the disciples that go, okay, look, we got this little boy's lunch, Jesus. What you gonna, this ain't even enough to feed me. How are you going to feed all them if you be the son of God? Jesus said, bring it to me. blessed it. God ain't, it doesn't need, listen to me, it doesn't matter the quantity or even the quality of what you have. All he wants is are you willing to bring it to him and let him multiply it. Come on, stand to your feet. So what's the, th the second and the third thing? You'll have to come back next week. Next week. Listen, can I challenge you to do something with me this week? Get away. I know 
you got a job, and I know you got life, and I know you got stuff going on, but can you, can I commission you, can I ask you to get away? Whatever you normally do, adjust it. Get before the Lord. Go outside. Ride the dirt roads. Just be silent before the Lord and say, you know what, Lord, this week, listen, don't even come to him with an agenda. Can I just free you? Let the agenda die. Just come to him this week. Lord, here I am. Come on. Here I am. Lift your hands up to the Lord. Close your eyes. Lord, here we are. Now, for as many as want to, that desire to, we're just going to say, Lord, we're just going to come and re-encounter you this week. We leave. We send everything away that demands so much of our attention. We send those unnecessary things away, and we commit to come and get along with you in the re-encounter. Father, we don't have any agenda other than all we want to do is be in your presence. Oh, we just want to be in your presence. Oh, your presence, Lord. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, we just want to be in your presence. Just sit with you. Just talk with you. Just be with you. Oh, in your presence. This fullness of joy in your presence. Everything washes off of us. No agenda, no to-do list, no nothing. All we want to do is hang with you. That's all we want to do, Lord, just hang with you. Just be in your presence. That's it. Because we know that it's going to rub off on us. Just the encounter, just the encounter with you, oh God. Come on. Just the encounter with him. Will you do that this week? Just encounter him. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Grab the person's hand next to you. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to let Cornell come and just say a few things and then we'll dismiss. Father, thank you for family. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you that every joint supplies. Thank you for the unity. Thank you that every time we think we can do this by ourselves, Lord, you remind us that we need one another. Lord, I thank you for that fact. And so we encourage one another daily, even more as we see the day approaching. We encourage one another. We call out the destiny in one another. We release in one another everything we need to release in everywhere we go. Thank you for it. We encourage one another. We join together. We bind together. We band together in agreement that we'll get away with you this week in that encounter. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick, uh, Annie, would you come up real quick? Drop me a very, you got it. <laughs> okay. So I have a couple of things going on. Um, the first thing is we're going to be doing a Bible study um, on Friday nights at Motel 6 for people who are in that hotel. Um, they're definitely unchurched people, and I just really feel a calling to do that. So I just wanted to ask um, the room. Do you have a picture of the room? 
um, that's the room, and it was completely full of just <laughs> from wall to wall, ceiling to ceiling, it was just full of stuff and junk, and Cornell and a, a youth team came in and completely just did that, and that is amazing, and there is actually, as, as clean as it looks, there is still a lot that needs to be done in order to get that accomplished. So I just kind of wanted to um, mention that and see if anybody wants to help clean or, you know, help anything with that. Um, if you do, just get with me and we'll be doing that. Um, the second thing is that July 28th, um, we are doing a night of worship um, at the Downtown Theater in Tifton. Um, an organization called Ignite Ministries from Waycross is going to be doing it, um, the worship. And uh, it's just a couple of churches that are coming together that are already doing this. Um, but we're trying to bring it to our area because we're trying to break down walls in our community. And I truly believe that this is one area that God is calling us to break down walls in is worship because it's, it's needed. I know that y'all know that as well as I know that. So I just want to encourage you to be praying for that. Um, we're also going to be bringing uh, donations for foster care kids. I have a list of needs that they have um, called to care. I don't know if you guys know of them in Tifton, but um, they definitely need some donations. So we're just asking for donations. The event itself is completely free, no offering, nothing. Thanks to some amazing people. Um, it's paid for. And... I don't feel um, okay to be standing here doing this. And I'm so grateful that God has called me at the same time. So I just want to encourage you that whatever God has placed on your heart to do, just do it because you're needed. And everything that Pastor spoke on today it encouraged me so much and I needed it and I just want to encourage y'all because you're needed in the body we're all needed we are all needed thank you amen thank you who wants to take them fishes and loaves come on Jessica hello every that's impressive hello everybody um good morning um, I just want to give a huge announcement and just glorify the Lord and show my appreciation and thanks upon million, million of thank yous to all of you who donated to my trip to Africa with Miss Laurel and a few other um, wonderful women. It's paid for and extra. I have extra money to, to go and... And so, and I couldn't have done it without you guys. I'm not usually, uh, I'm not as big of as a receiver as I am a giver. And I think a lot of people have that problem. <laughs> but I really had to learn how to receive because people would just hand me stuff. And, I mean, I didn't really have to work for anything. And people just gave into it. Sorry. I was just supposed to be up here for like 10 seconds and tell you thank you. <laughs> but... For some of you who know me personally, some of you who don't, um, it's been a long road for me to get to this point. 
and for y'all to sow into this you're sowing into me as well because it's just been a it's been a long time coming for me to to have this happen because this is a major step for me in my ministry as well so thank you for all that you're doing and trust me trust me trust me it does not it's not in vain it will definitely bless people in Africa and beyond what I can even think it's just exceedingly he's exceedingly and abundantly and he does it all and I just want to say that and show you my appreciation and thanks so thank you all Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to leave you with this. You know, Tina said, um, you know, there's walls that God's wanting us to tear down. It's true. But ultimately, my, my, uh, my faith, my assurance is that those very walls that he's wanting us to tear down, he's tearing them down too. <laughs> and that's where we get to walk with him on the water. It's uncomfortable, <laughs> especially if, Maybe we've helped paint that wall or <laughs> that our favorite whatever on it, you know. It, so it's, there's, there, there are elements where it's uncomfortable, but it's what he's doing. It's what he's doing. And, and, and we're positioning ourselves to say, look, God, we want to be with you where you are doing what you're doing. Amen? Amen. Well, you're blessed. We love y'all.